Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. First Kings chapter 18, verse 41 says this. Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. Now, if you're familiar with that passage, that is when right after Elijah prayed and fire came down from heaven and it just licked up all the water and stuff around the altar and that altar burnt as Elijah prayed. And then after that, God told Elijah it's going to rain. There was a three and a half year drought in the land that was going on. And God promised him it's going to rain. And it did. It rained. So as I thought about that, and as we get ready to sing this medley of songs, what is the spiritual application? And I wrote some of these thoughts down as we're leading into it because I don't want to forget. So I'm going to read some of it because it's the best way for me to do it, to kind of express what's in my heart. Instead of facing a physical drought of rain, maybe you're experiencing a spiritual drought of the rain of God's presence. Maybe you're questioning, God, are you even with me today? You may feel like your life is so dry because of some hardships and difficulties you might be facing. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a prodigal son or daughter. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Or maybe it's you lost a job. But here's my question as we get ready to sing this. When was the last time you experienced the presence of God in such a real way that it just washed away all the pain and the hardship that you're facing? Did you give that pain and hardship to the Lord? Because God's presence is here. When I went through the breakup of my marriage, I remember feeling that way. God, are you even here? Why am I going through this? For months, I cried out to God, his voice again, and asking questions, God, why? Why am I going through this? But then the rain of his presence fell on my life, and I experienced God's presence again. God began to speak to my heart again, began to lead worship again gave me a purpose to fulfill. The key was not giving up when it was hard. Don't give up. Don't give up. Never give up. I want you to remember last year, the last Sunday of August. Maybe some of you were here. The last year, the last, um, the last week of August, Pastor Eric preached a message from this passage in 1 Kings chapter 18. Anybody remember that? Okay. Here's what I remember, all right? God had, impress, had been impressing on his heart that the sound of rain was coming to our church. A time of experiencing the refreshing of his spirit in the midst of our hardships. His plan was to put um, in the message together and have one of the sound technicians, as he read the passage, to have the sound of rain. And remember that? But he said, um, as he was getting ready not to do that, he said, I'm not going to do that. 
and God was telling him just to trust in me. But once you know it, God was right on cue. When he started reading that passage, what happened? I started hearing rain on the roof. All right? It's just a, a physical sign of something that God is doing in the spirit. And that's what God is doing in his church. He's sending his rain of refreshing. It confirmed in our pastor's heart that he heard the voice of God. God is moving. God is stirring hearts. Hillside, I hear the sound of heavy rain. Do you hear it? Do you hear it this morning? It may not be on this roof, but it's in our hearts, in our spirits. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're facing, trust him. In this passage, Elijah had his servant check seven times to see if there was rain on the horizon. He came back six times and said, I don't see a thing, Elijah. I don't see anything. But on the seventh time, he said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Elijah said, get ready. Get ready. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And it happened. It rained. It rained. Verse 45 says, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling on Ahab as they rode off to Jezreel. You may not sense or feel the presence of God in your life as you're going whatever you're facing right now. But just as Elijah said to King Ahab, there is the sound of heavy rain, so too must you and I rise up in faith and say, I hear the sound of heavy rain. How did Elijah know? Because God spoke to him. He said in 1 Kings 18, 1, after a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, present yourself to Ahab because it's going to rain in this land. And that's exactly what he did. But just as Pastor Eric shared about this, to get through this um, physical therapy, he had to get through that. He had to get through having that um, altar light on fire, facing the prophets of Baal, right? The same God that spoke to Elijah is speaking to you and me today. What has God spoken to you? Let faith rise up in your spirit and say, I hear the sound of heavy rain. God continues to stir in my heart. You know what? I'm facing this heart surgery coming up in a couple weeks. I don't want to go through that. Um, God's going to be with me. Whatever happens, my faith is going to be strong. And God's presence is going to be with me in that room. I don't know. Maybe somebody's life will change because of it. Maybe a nurse. Who knows? But God's presence is going to go with me. The pastor shared with me a video clip. And this is the inspiration for this medley we're going to sing in a minute here. It's from Michael W. Smith. It's a three-song medley. There are three songs that we're going to sing. And it's going to be the words over and over and over again. But don't just sing the words. I want you to listen to what God has spoken to your heart and stand in faith and say, yes, I believe. I hear the sound of rain. The first song is this. It's a prayer, a simple prayer. God, let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. The second song is a song of faith. Healing rain is coming down. Healing rain is coming down. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. And then the third song is a song of battle cry for victory. 
this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. So as we sing this, if you want to come to this altar and that'll help you to hear the voice of God, do that. If you want to sit where you are, you can do that. But I want you to hear the voice of God as we sing these songs over and over and over again. God, let your spirit reign in this place. Let your spirit reign. God, pour out your spirit in this place today. Thank you for what you are doing and how you are stirring in our hearts. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Let it
Lord, you rule and reign in this place today. Lord, I'm just going to be transparent with our people. Uh, Lord, I feel like you've spoken to me. I feel like we're at this place in the service, uh, and there's two very distinct directions we can go, and um, neither one is, is bad. Um, both are good. Sometimes God sets us a path, and he goes, look, this is it. This is the road to be on. Other times he gives us choices, and he empowers us to choose which road to go down. And so I'm just being very transparent with you. I feel like that's where we're at this morning, that there's two different roads that we could take. Um, and so let's just pray this morning. Lord, I believe the choice here this morning has been placed in my hands on which, which way we should go. And so, Lord, I already, I already know the decision that I'm going to make. And, Lord, I just pray that your blessing would be upon it this morning and that the lives that need to be touched, changed, and transformed through the preaching of your word Lord, would happen today. Lord, your promises are true, and what you start, you will see to completion. Lord, I thank you to see people here this morning that have been walking through struggles and difficulties, yet they are here in your house this morning, believing that healing is still on its way, that it's a process sometimes. Sometimes it's instantaneous, other times it's a process. And Lord, what you've started, you will see to completion. Lord, we lift up those who are sick. I know we have several who are sick at home, including my wife today. Lord, we pray your healing hand upon them, that what you start, you will see to completion. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor, and God's people said, amen, amen. You guys can be seated this morning. Yes. Amen. 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 It's just confirmation we're, we're going in the right direction this morning. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles. If you've got your Bibles with you, would you turn to the book of Acts? Lord, just give me the anointing to be able to say what you want me to say, and to say it succinctly, uh, and to make the impact that you're wanting to make this morning. We're in the book of Acts. Uh, we're continuing in the book of Acts, and we're going to start a micro-series from the book of Acts called Callings and Conflicts. Let's unpack that statement just in itself, the title of, of this mini-series, Callings and Conflicts. We talk about calling. What are we saying? What is it that we're, we're meaning? And, it, and really, it's this. It's God's initiative to bring people to Christ and to participate in his redemptive work in the world. Now, I realize that can be really wordy as people are like trying to jot that down really quick. Let me give it to you in a simpler way, to know Christ and to make him known. To know Christ and to make him known is the calling of his people. I want you to know you are called by God this morning. In fact, I want you to say that out loud right now. I am called by God. Try one more time. I'm, I'm called by God. Awesome. And now I want you to look across the everybody else in the sanctuary this morning. And I want you to realize that they are called by God. 
How that calling is fulfilled in and through your life may look radically different. It's going to look different to the missionary in Zimbabwe than it is to the stay-at-home mom across our sanctuary. It's going to look different from the pastor who's preaching up here this morning and the mechanical engineer that's sitting in our sound booth. It's going to look different, but the calling on your life is no more or no less important than the other individuals in this room today. Did you hear that? The callings in calling is the same, to him and to make him known. Your individual mission might be different. It is how your calling is fulfilled in your life that is different and individualistic. But the calling is all the same, to know him and make him known. It is the calling of every person in this church, to know him and to make him known. So the first part of our message says callings. The title is callings. But the second is conflicts. So how do we define conflicts? Well, I'm actually going to define it in three different ways. Conflict. The first definition is opposing action, incompatibilities, antagonistic state or action as a divergent ideas, interests, or persons. Number two, the mental struggle that happens internally resulting from incompatible or opposing needs, drives, wishes, or external or internal demands. There's an internal conflict that can happen. And number three, the opposition of persons or forces that usually give rise to dramatic action. As we go through this mini-series together in the book of Acts, I'm not exactly sure how long it'll take us to go through this mini-series as we continue to work through Acts, but we'll do it together. We will see these three definitions of conflict lived out in our heroes in the Bible, but also within our own lives as God brings deeper healings to us. These are the conflicts that we will be dealing with. So we'll see that lived out in the weeks to come. Let's jump into the book of Acts. Let's start with Acts chapter 12, verse 25. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. So Paul and Barnabas have finished their mission. They're called by God. They had a specific mission. They were up in Antioch at this time, and they returned to Jerusalem. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and for the next uh, two messages that I'll preach, it'll be about these three verses. Now, in, in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called uh, Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Minian, who had been uh, brought up with Herod, the churchiarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord, fasting, and Holy, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and set them off. The Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of mission. And as we get nearer to Him, the more intensely and mission-minded we should become. We should fall in love with missions as we get closer to Christ. By the way, it is Mission Sunday, so remember not only to give your tithes and offerings, but to support our missionary partners, amen? 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 amen. Because we are a supporting church. 
And it's not just all about us. And that we can send men and women into places that God is sending them that has their mission in mind to say, look, we will support you. We will provide the resources for you to do what God is asking you to do. We should become more mission-minded as we get closer to Christ. For Paul, also known as Saul and Barnabas, they had experienced this as they ministered in Antioch. They were called by the Spirit to take the gospel to the Roman world, and it really began to explode in Antioch. Up until this point, Jerusalem had been the center of ministry, and Peter had been the key leader in the church. But from this point on, there is a shift that begins to happen. Antioch in Syria would become the new center of the church, and Paul would become the prominent leader within the church. The gospel was beginning to be on the move in a brand new way. And when the gospel is on the move, it brings about change and transformation. And does anybody want to guess what happens when change, what comes when change happens? Come on, conflict. (laughs) You've won the car today, Mike. See me after service, we'll give you the keys. When the gospel's on the move, it brings about change, and change will bring about conflict. As the church, we are not to run from conflict, but face it, and to face it with the right heart and the right mind. Not with a combative spirit, but with the spirit saying, it's worth going through the conflict to see the reward for which God has for us. And it is in the midst of conflict that greatest growth happens. Look at the church. When does the church grow numerically? When it's under conflict, when it's persecuted. It is in conflict. Look throughout the Bible. Watch the men and women who come into conflict. It's in the midst of conflict that their greatest personal and spiritual growth develops. But we have a thing that says, our our, our human nature that goes, I want to run from conflict. I don't want conflict. I want lazy boy Jesus Christianity. Pop my feet up, enjoy the ride, grace, mercy, hallelujah. I just want to enjoy all the fruits of the spirits and all the fruits of the gospel, but I don't ever want to endure anything. That's not how the Bible works. It is in the midst of conflict that great growth happens internally. It's in the midst of conflict that we see lives changed and transformed. Amen? All right, you're getting on board. That's good. And conflict usually comes in two forms. You have internal conflict and external conflict. External, outside sources. Internal, internal sources. Here's the interesting thing about conflict, though. As you begin to deal with one or ignore conflict in our life, so most of the time when you're in conflict, so whether you choose to deal with it or whether you don't, it's here. I think it's a better idea for us to go, let's engage. Let's engage, let's figure out what Jesus is wanting to do, both in the situation, but also also within my heart and life as I'm dealing with this. Because that's the bigger victory. That's the bigger victory. We'll often be like, I just want God to remove the mountain. I want God to remove the giant. But if he were to remove the mountain, remove the giant, we might not grow and develop the way that God's wanting us to grow. Because he needs us to face these things. He needs us to grow because guess what's coming down the road for us? A bigger conflict. 
But if we face the conflict today that we have to deal with, if we figure out what God is trying to do within us, how he's trying to grow, how he's trying to make us see the situation differently, how he's trying to transform us, it equips us for the bigger conflict coming down the road that we can't yet see. I like that. I just had a good idea. I heard it. Did you hear it? Like, that's, that's, that's good. Da ding Take note. That's good. So let's take a deeper look into our scripture and to our text. We see listed that Luke listed five different men who were ministering in the church. He lists Barnabas, who we've already met in Acts chapter 4. We know that he is an encourager. He was in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 11. He's an encourager. He's the guy that everybody loves. Just love hanging out with Barnabas. Just a good guy. He's always thinking of others, always trying to speak into others' lives. You got this. Come on, we can do this together. I like Barnabas. Then you got Simeon, and he was most likely African. He came from another nationality and another race. We got some black people in church. Amen. So that's where we've got. We've got Barnabas and Simeon. Then we got Lucius who came from Cyrene. He may have been one of the founders in the church in Antioch. He is the newest convert out of the list given here of the five. So he's newer to the faith than the others. He's the youngest, at least in the Lord. Maybe he'd been in the oldest in age, but he's the youngest coming to the Lord in this group listed here. Then you've got Midian, who was uh, at the very least a friend, but perhaps maybe even the adopted foster brother of Herod Antipas, who killed John the Baptist. So you've got this guy, and we sometimes, as human nature, we'll judge other people by what their parents did or their brother did or their siblings did, and we'll look at them and go, well, if they're guilty, you're guilty of the same thing. If they were a jerk, you're going to be a jerk too, but not this guy. This guy is a leader in the church. You can't judge him by his family. You can't judge him by what he came out of because God has made him a new creation. And so we need to see him the way that Jesus sees him as an individual. And then there's Saul, last on the list, but soon to be on the forefront of church leadership. You've got this diverse group of guys. They have different backgrounds, coming from different places. They're different races. Yet here we see them listed and listed with the purpose of unity. Saying all these different guys from all these different backgrounds can come together and can accomplish the mission of God. Why is that? Because they have encountered Christ. And it is their encounter with Christ that brings unity. These guys probably all dressed different, they all had different personalities. At times, I'm sure they had friction and they rubbed on each other but they came together in the house of God because Jesus brings people together. It's not our differences that bring us together. It's our unity in Christ. That we're not all meant to look the same. We're not all meant to be cookie-cutter Christians. We're meant to have some personality. We're meant to have diversity. Jesus uses those things. Be like me. That's what God wants. Community looks at us and goes, your church is so crazy. You got young and old people doing stuff together. How can you do that? Man, you've got people of different races that go to church. How is that possible? Because Jesus brings us together. People are beautiful. They're wonderfully made, no matter what the tone of your skin. Black, olive, white, 
red, orange, or green, Jesus loves us, and we're made in his image, and we should see Christ in people. We should see the image of our God in people, and that should bring about a love within the church and should bring about unity. All of these men were serving as prophets and teachers in the local church. Prophets and teachers helped to lay the foundation of the church as they proclaimed the word of God. They were foretellers more than foretellers. And while God can absolutely speak through someone about future events, prophets' primary role were to help ground believers in good doctrinal faith by telling spiritual truths. That was their job, these five men coming together. And the message that these men had was a message of God, and it was a message of balance. And balance seems something that the world desperately needs today because it is not in balance. People's lives are not balanced. These men were focused on making well-balanced Christian followers. And that's just what I want to talk to you about for just a few moments. To explore the priority of balancing, of balance in our calling, of balance in our life. When people focus on one aspect of the word of God, they become out of balance. And this brings about conflict. Balance in the word is so crucial for us. Balanced gospel in our life will bring about a balanced life. What does an unbalanced gospel look like? What does an unbalanced church or an unbalanced believer look like? Well, let me give you just a few examples. One, let's take the example of grace versus law. One side of the gospel message that people tend to focus on is the side of grace and redemption. Their main message is that God has provided everything that you and I will ever need for our salvation and that we cannot add to that, nor can we take away from it. It requires nothing on our behalf to receive. It requires nothing in response. And that is true, partially. The other side of that coin, people would, would focus and their main message would be about a Christian lifestyle, a man's response to God's gift. In other words, they would have a solely focus on our behavior and being righteous through what we think, how we act, and how we speak. And by themselves, these are imbalanced. The first error would lead to a messy, non-Christ-like lifestyle where we would say, because of God's grace, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, and there are no consequences. And that is not true. The second error would lead to a rigid, ruled-based, graceless lifestyle. And who wants to live in that mess? Because that is just a life of religion, and that is unbalanced. But Paul writes in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole of the will of God, the entire gospel message I have brought to you, church. That is the desire of the men and women of the early church, and it should be the desire of us to be well-balanced in the gospel message, that we don't pick and choose what we want out of God's word. We need it all to be healthy. Step up to the buffet, church. There ain't nothing on there that's not good for you, and it all tastes good. It might have a little bit of sour at first going down, but I guarantee you it will be sweet in the end. Amen? 
that's good preaching. That's not even in my notes. Come on. And now everybody's like, let's go to the buffet after church. I'm getting hungry. Paul writes, I have not hesitated to proclaim it all. We need to be well-rounded. We need both God's grace and our response to that grace to be part of that redemptive process. It's not one or the other. It's both, church. God's has done his part, and now he says, church, I expect you to do yours. Come live in the grace that I have given you. Come live in the gift of Christ. Begin to allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction into your life and to change and transform you. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you about what to let go of and what to begin to cling to in your life. Allow him to change you, to transform you. And it is not one time. It is forever until Christ calls us home. David and Solomon spoke of seasons in the life. There are seasons, and there are certain seasons where we can do certain things and certain seasons where we can't. Dave is passionate about farming, but he is not out there planting seeds in the middle of winter when there is snow and it's 30 below. Why? Because there is a season to plant, and there are seasons of harvest, church. And we have got to get on board with the gospel, and we've got to get bored with the Holy Spirit of what season are we in right now in my life? Not the season of what I wish for, but the season of reality, where am I? And Lord, what is it you're asking me to do today? That's the season you're in. I want to live in the season I'm in, not in the season of my imagination. This is where the church is today. Lord, where do we go to church? There are other who, who talk about uh, here, and they'll just say, look, it's all about practical. It's all about application. It's all about you figuring out what you're doing and sticking with the plan and going with it and doing all that and laying out all these things and working hard, and that's true. And over here, we've got people that are over here, and they're just like, we just need to be, be spirit-led, and I want to be spirit-led. How about you? Absolutely, I want to be spirit-led. I want the Holy Spirit to guide me and direct me, but I also can't just say, well, just let the Spirit deal with it, and I won't prepare for it. Aiden, that's not going to work this week when you've got a final that you've got to take, and you just go, I'm just living by the Spirit. I don't need to study. God set me free from these books. I don't have to study for anything. No, you know what? There's consequences to that, and you ain't going to pass that test. It's both led by the Spirit and preparation of the heart. It's both, not one or the other. It's fellowship versus discipleship. Some people are like, if the church gets together, we better be having a preaching sermon or a Bible study, praise God. We can't just get together and fellowship. Yeah, we can. We don't have to have a Bible study for every time we get together as a church. And ministry can happen in fellowship. At the same time, we shouldn't just have a party all the time. There are times where we need to hear the word of God. We need to be encouraged. That's why we got Sunday morning. It's a preaching point for our church. It's an opportunity to hear the God's word, respond to God's word, so that while we're fellowshipping through the week, we can let that fruit come out of us. Amen? It's good. We need it both, not just one or the other. And some people, they really struggle with correction versus relationship. You need both. You need both. 2 Timothy 4.2 is a great passage. Can you bring that up for me? I don't even have it in my notes. 
Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season to correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And I see people take this passage and they will take it all out of whack. First off, we have to understand where this passage is coming from and what was its purpose. Paul wrote it to a pastor named Timothy who was in the midst of some struggle. And he said, listen, Timothy, preach the word. (laughs) Preach the word. And in doing so, and in building relationship with your church, because if you're a pastor, if you're a shepherd, you should be building relationship. In the process of relationship, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and with what also? Careful instruction. But some people will just go, I'm just, I'm called to rebuke. I'm a rebuker in the spirit. That's my calling. That's not a calling. You are taking one small section from that and running with it. You are imbalanced. You need, you need correction, you need rebuke, and you need encouragement. You need all of them, not just one. Amen? Amen. And we all need that. And we look at an imbalanced life. Some people, self-care or no care. It's like, it's all about me or it's nothing about me. It's both. you got to take care of yourself, and we also have to take care of others. If you're not healthy yourself, how in the world can you take care of others? It's both. It's both. Work and family is another one that gets imbalanced all the time. Family and ministry can be imbalanced. Control. Oh, man, I watch this happen all the time. People will will be losing control over one area of their life. There's something happening in their family, in a relationship, in their marriage, or whatever. And so I don't know what it is, but when we have a loss of control, complete loss of control in one area of our life, all of a sudden we will just clamp down on everything else and try to control everything else. That's not healthy. That's not a place where we're called to be. That's imbalanced. We have relationships that can be imbalanced. Let me just give you a little. We're looking, they went looking to set people free from demonic forces. They had seen the gospel message be balanced. They have watched men and women who were in balance, and we had seen the fruit that came from their ministry, so they wanted that. So they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And one day, they came across an evil spirit who answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all, gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house buck naked and bleeding. There is a lot of teaching in there. I'm not going to go into it today, but basically this, these guys were imbalanced in their relationship with Jesus. They had no personal relationship. They had no personal guidance from the Holy Spirit. They decided, hey, we're just going to go out and do this thing. We're going to go look for the devil. Let me, let me give you a little bit of advice. You don't have to go look for the devil. He's looking for you already if you're a believer. All right? He will knock on the door. You don't go have to look for him. All right? Be prepared in season and out of season. Be prepared with the fruit of the Spirit because the devil will knock on your door. But you've got to have a genuine relationship with Jesus to be able to resist the devil. These guys were trying to walk in a power and authority that they did not have relationship with Christ nor the Holy Spirit to be able to do so. They lacked humility. They were imbalanced. The gospel needs to be well-balanced in our life. 
If you want the power available through the Holy Spirit found in the book of Acts, guess what? You need to walk through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because that's what the disciples of Jesus did. They walked with the Savior. When you do not walk with the Savior, how do you think you can function in the power of the Spirit? They are one in the same. We must be centered. So church, how do we do that? Robbie, if you'd come back to the piano. We're getting ready to do communion. If somebody could help us out, just if somebody could grab some communion cups in case you didn't get communion, we want to make sure you have them. The pastor needs one. He got too busy with the message and forgot to grab communion this morning. So I'll need, I'll need someone to run a communion up to me. But here's the thing. There's a lot of, thank you so much, Adrian. How do, how do we get balanced? There's a picture of a scale I've got here. Okay, this is a normal scale. Show the other one really quick, Anthony. Okay, for you overachievers, all right, that is not me, all right? I can't balance that. Take me back to the simplicity, all right? I just, just the simplicity of it. What's the key to being balanced here? Equal weight, right? Being centered. Church, if we can move closer to the center, guess who's at the center? Jesus. Jesus. It's not religion. It's not all the things that we can or can't do as a church. It's Jesus. That brings us unity. That brings us back to center. It brings us balance in our life. It's coming back to Jesus. How do we find Jesus? You find him in his word. Look at his teaching. Look at his character. Look at how he treated people. There's so much deep things within the word. Sometimes we, we say, oh, we just have the things that Jesus said. No, we also have the things that Jesus did. When no one else would talk to a woman out of a well because of her filthy past and because of the lifestyle she was in, Jesus shows up and says, ma'am, would you give me something to drink from the well? I'm not worthy. If you knew who you were talking to, you wouldn't have anything to do with, with me. Ma'am, if you knew who you were talking to, you would never thirst again. We see the care. I want to love, which basically is this felt back to a place of balance, church. Maybe you're so imbalanced in some areas of your life, the scales have fallen off. Whatever you were putting on there has fallen onto the floor. It's a mess. Come back to the center. Come back to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. You know, it's an interesting thing. I was, I, I, anybody else watch History Channel once in a while or, or documentaries or stuff? I, I can get fascinated with some of this stuff. I was watching... Uh, a documentary on Egyptian culture. In ancient Egyptian culture, they believed that after you died, that one of their gods would come and the god would remove your heart from your chest. That's just some crazy stuff. I'm glad that we don't do that. Remove your heart, but he would put it on a scale, and on the other side of the scale would be a feather. And the feather was to symbolize order and truth and right. And he would weigh, and if the heart was not equal, it was not in balance. You were not allowed to go to the afterlife. Not so with Christ. Can I just be honest with you? There is nothing that we could ever do to balance the scale. 
But with one drop of blood, Jesus just doesn't balance the scale. He throws the scale away. He goes, there is no judgment. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's no judgment to be had because Jesus comes to set us free. He doesn't come to equal the scales. He comes to throw the scales away and say there is freedom in the name of Jesus. I will bring balance to your life. There is no scale that can bring balance to your life. I will bring balance to your life. I will make things right that are wrong. I will restore to you what the enemy has stolen. There is no power on the face of this planet that is equal to the mighty power of Jesus. I don't care what type of nuclear weapon that you've got or some type of Iron Man suit you're building in your garage. I got to tell you, there's no power like Jesus because with just a word, he brings the dead to life, both physically and spiritually. He is the balance, and he is at the center of the gospel. The word of God is not a story about us. It's a story about him. But God so loved the world that he would give his only begotten son that so whoever so believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's so good, church, that he didn't come just to save us in this world. He said there's a world beyond this world. And when I call you home, you will be with me forever in paradise. Pastor, I'm not worthy. None of us are. Man on a cross, talk about balance. Two thieves hung next to Jesus on a hillside. One so arrogant and stuck in his pride could not humble himself. But one with a simple phrase, will you remember me? Will you remember me? And with a simple reply, today you will be with me in paradise. Maybe the only thing standing between you and the freedom and balance of Christ in your life is your pride. Let it go. Let it go. Don't be the foolish thief. Be the thief who says, there is nothing I can do. But Lord, I humble myself before you. Would you see me? And his answer is, I see you, son or daughter. Come into the kingdom. Come receive my grace, my love. Let me wash over you with my presence today. Church, would you, would you do something different with me? If you can, would you stand in the presence of God today? Together with his disciples, his body would be broken. I love the story of the cross because Jesus' body was broken, but his spirit was never broken. Church, this is a broken world. These bodies will fail us. These bodies will fail us. We're going to break down over time. But the bodies might fail us, but our spirit can remain whole in Jesus Christ. Lord, the word says that by your stripes we are healed, and I believe that healing is still available for us today. I see your people. But more importantly, you see them. 
Lord, you see brokenness that can be made whole, both physical, emotional, mental, some deep places that you're going to go with us in the future, some doors that you're going to you're going to get into, we're going to find some messy closets, but you're not intimidated to get messy. You've rolled up your sleeves and said, I'm all in. This morning, God, I pray as we take communion in this house, that your healing is available to people's bodies, to their minds and spirits. Lord, we draw close to you in the center. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior before we take communion, if you want to know Jesus, would you just surrender your life? Would you confess to Jesus you are broken? I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Would you confess that you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he came, that he died, that he rose again, and that he is calling to you in this moment to have a relationship with you? Would you do that in your heart, in your mind right now? Lord, we thank you for your body who was broken, that was broken for us. By your stripes, we are healed, and we remember that, Lord, you endured. Your body may have been broken, but, Lord, you still walked the hill to Calvary. We will continue to walk this broken road in front of us, not by our own power, but the power of the Spirit. We give you praise, glory, and honor this morning. Would you take the bread? together this morning. We played that song this morning, Rain. It's been a dry summer. We needed rain last week. Man, we got rain and rain and rain. There's a dry, weary land of people. And you know what they need? They just need one drop of Jesus' blood to wash and make their life clean and whole. The pastor cannot open his communion. Oh, praise God, there are miracles. It's about ready to call a lady up here with fingernails to help me out. His blood is precious, church. It was not wasted. Jesus' life was not wasted. His blood poured out to wash us clean of our past. Maybe you messed up this last week. You know what? We can confess right now. Jesus had the wrong attitude. I did the wrong thing. I responded the wrong way. I ran to something from my old life. I ran back to something that brought me comfort and it's not healthy for me. Jesus, right now, I need you to forgive me. Aged, paid the price. You washed me clean. One drop of blood and the scales came off the table. You bring balance to our life. Lord, it's in your blood there is victory. You shed your blood. There is no sacrifice that can ever be made to match what you have already done. We thank you that you wash us clean. Church, as we take communion this morning, know that you are washed clean, that there is no condemnation, that your past is in the past, 
and what we have is today and tomorrow. We're not gonna live in the past. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The church says amen. amen. The church says amen. amen. We are new creations. Let's take the cup together this morning. He's good, isn't he? Wow. Church, love somebody this week because you are loved by the king. Love somebody. Maybe you just would stop at a gas station and you see somebody and the Holy Spirit would just pull on you and go love on them. Now listen, don't go up and randomly hug someone that does not, doesn't see it coming, okay? That's, I don't want to get a call from the police chief going, your people are crazy. Um, but do it, do it in a Christ way. Just love on somebody. Let them know they, that you care. Maybe a simple, word, simple phrase, hey, how are you doing today? You never know. Maybe you're going to be at a doctor's office. I was at a doctor's office a few weeks ago for an MRI. My wife and sat, and we sat down, we were early, like an hour and a half early. I don't know why we were so early, but we were early. And we're sitting in the, in the table, and I felt like all of a sudden, we're sitting in the, in the lobby, and it was like all of a sudden, it was like somebody put up that booth from, from the peanuts, it was like five cents for therapy, it was like people just began to unload to Pam and me. And specifically Pam, not even me. They were just drawn to her. They just started sharing their life stories. Like we weren't even asking questions. They just started sharing. One lady starts talking to my wife about football and my wife starts talking back. I'm like, I don't know what happened right now because my wife never talks football. I'm like, what, what's going on? They're, they're having a discussion. That led to some, some deeper discussion about what was going on in their life. And we'll pray for you. Another person looks over at me, and they look at my shirt, and they're like, oh, does that say, what does this shirt I say, oh, Rippin. And they say, oh, oh, I thought it was the, 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 Red Hawks, the Red Hawks from Huron, South Dakota. I said, I lived right up the road from them just a few years ago. And this guy ends up unloading his whole life story for us. And his wife, who was so nervous, we both went back at the same time for whatever he needed done. I was putting into an MRI machine. And his, his wife just began to share with Pam how nervous she was about how they didn't think they could make it. My wife said, I know you can make it. I know you can make it. And as we left that place, they just said, man, we felt so encouraged. We asked them, do you go to church anywhere? They said, yeah. And we said, great, we're pastors and we're in this thing together. And they just acknowledged that, man, we need each other. Church, love on somebody. God will put you where you need to be this week. You don't have to go looking for it. You don't have to search for it. You will be in the right place, but be aware of who's around you because God loves you. Love on somebody else. Lord, as we give our tithes and offerings today, as we leave this place, as we go in fellowship, as we eat, as we hang out, as we go to work this week, Lord, we want to be balanced. Bring us back to the center. It's all about you. It's all about you. And Lord, while we're doing that, as we focus on you, as we're growing, we want to make you known. Lord, person that we can make a different honor. Lord, we pray, pray for what comes into this church. Lord, you would help us to do more than we ever thought possible for the kingdom of God. We want to support missionaries. As people give to their support for missionaries, Lord, may you bless our missionaries like never before. 
Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen. Would you please keep my wife and myself in your prayers for the next 10 days? We're going to take a vacation. Uh, and so we will be gone for the next 10 days. Uh, don't burn down the building while we're gone, all right? You can feel free to allow the Holy Spirit to move in this place. Next Sunday, I'll have a good friend of mine that'll be with you, a new friend. Uh, he is a missionary. He's a missionary doing a, a missions work that is unlike a lot of things. It'll blow your mind. So I encourage you to be here, and God may just speak to you next week about doing something that will blow your mind. So I hope that you'll be here next Sunday. Church, we'll see you when we get back. Have an amazing, amazing Sunday afternoon and a great week. Amen.